Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah State. It is a bit awkward when you have two of these games that are non-league in the, in the middle of the season. Obviously, one of those is BYU, and that's kind of the normal situation. And that game, as we all know, is different. It's a rivalry game, but to sit here and have the non-conference foe in this spot, I've never done it. I've never, that I remember, maybe there's been that spot before, but it is where it is. And our, we will play everybody that is prepared to play and is healthy to play, and every one of our kids that is prepared to play and healthy to play will want to play. So that's how we're approaching it. That's Gary Anderson, and I do believe he told me large portions of the truth in that answer. I think if you were able to get people around Utah State football staff and administrators and all together, they would say this non-conference schedule is less than ideal. And I don't believe they'd say less than ideal. Come up with a word or words or phrases that kind of meant that. LSU looks really, really good. And traveling halfway across the country, after you've already traveled all the way across the country, and now doing it in the middle of the conference schedule, yeah, I think Gary throws up in his mouth at the thought of doing that. But he can't come on the air and say that. He's not going to try and blurt that into a microphone. they got to play LSU, who's ranked fifth in the country, who is undefeated, who has decided after years of playing great defense and being a very good team, but usually coming up short. They have decided they are going to throw that thing around. There's two teams in the country right now that average 400 yards passing per game or more. And those two teams that are over 400 yards passing, if you can't guess them, you're not really paying attention right now. One of them was here last week, Washington State. They lead the country 450 yards per game, and LSU is at 430. And then you got the teams with the Heisman Trophy candidates, Alabama and Oklahoma. With Tua and with Jalen Hurts, yeah, they're at 380 and 375. So, yeah, LSU's been flinging the ball around the field. Now, the schedule hasn't been the toughest. Two scheduled wins, a bottom dweller in their conference, and then their big game with, ninth, at the time, ninth-ranked Texas. And LSU scored 55, 45, 65, and 66 points. They are number one in the country at 57 points per game. So the Aggies' chances of winning this game are not good. They're 26.5-point underdogs. I think the goal right now is to get out of there healthy. And why they're flying to Wake Forest and LSU. Well, Gary would rather not discuss that. No one with Utah State would rather discuss it. But I think if Gary had his druthers, they would play a Pac-12 team on the road and be done with it. And, and, if necessary, then play a Big 12 team. So at least you're, you know, flying to Oklahoma or Texas or someplace. But not dragging guys back and forth across the country. But it's here, and they'll try to hang in there and pull some massive upset. I, I think they will score. And they really, you know, they really need to keep people healthy. They really need to not. They're off to a nice start in the league. They're already 2-0. They don't need to get beat up with a paycheck game in the middle of the conference season. And LSU has been giving up points. They've given up 38 points twice this year. So you can score on them a little bit. Now, maybe it'll be after the game's out of hand and they got a four-touchdown lead. But 
there's a chance for the Aggies to score. Hopefully, they'll keep it respectable and not get anyone hurt. Underline that. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. All right, we got some ranked teams facing each other this weekend, and with the Utes and Cougars not playing, that Utah State game's on 10 a.m. on the SEC Network. That thing will wrap up, and by 1.30, might be looking for something. There's a game on uh, Big Fox, the same time the Aggies are playing at 10 a.m. 14th-ranked Iowa at 19th-ranked Michigan. Michigan's got a slew of ranked teams still to play in the Big Ten. They've already lost a game. They're 3-1. and one. If they drop this to go to 3-2, and two, and then they've got all these big games going forward... Uh, they've already lost to Wisconsin. They've still got to play Notre Dame. They've still got to play Penn State. They've still uh, got, obviously, the big game with Ohio State at the end of the season. How bad is this going to get for Jim Harbaugh? He's a personality. You might, you, know, you might find yourself entertained by that for a few minutes. In the SEC, where there's a bunch of glorious records, two undefeated teams square off on CBS at 130. 5-0 Florida, 5-0 Auburn. And they're still sitting on five undefeated teams in that league with LSU, Alabama, and Georgia also. So that's a big game. Start to have some of these elimination games here. We'll see if they're elimination games. An SEC team can get in with one loss. But it'd be tough if there was somebody undefeated in the SEC. We'll see if they beat each other up, cannibalize each other the way the the Pac-12 does. Michigan State and Ohio State in prime time. Ohio State's still undefeated. We'll see if they get a little bit of a test. And then you've got the Pac-12. What to make of the Pac-12? Four games, and they're spread out, so you can watch most of them. Well, if you get the Pac-12 network, you can, because that's where two of them are. The big game is in the north. It's 4-1 Cal, 3-1 Oregon. That's on Big Fox at 6 o'clock. And a little of the luster taken off of that, because Garbers gets hurt for Cal. And now, what can Modster do? The transfer from UCLA, who's moved up to Berkeley. He couldn't do much getting thrown in the middle of the game. With a week of practice, can he do something? Or did the path to Oregon just smooth out a little bit? Stanford's off to a miserable start, 2-3. and three. They're hosting Washington on ESPN, 8.30. That's a late-night game. Over on the Pac-12 network, Arizona and Colorado both won their first conference game. So they're both 1-0 in the South. Who wins this? They're both 3-1. They're both 1-0. It's kind of like the Utah-Washington State setup. No real expectations for them. And yet... Hey, we've seen Cinderella before. We've seen Colorado. Last place team in the previous year. Picked to finish last in the current year. And then they won the division. So you can check that out on the Pac-12 Network at 2.30 and see if Colorado is getting some mojo going with a 4-1 start and ready to shock the world. The other game this weekend is Oregon State-UCLA. So the Bruins could get to 2-1 in the Pac-12. Yeah, we're a contender. Why wouldn't we be? With a shocking comeback at Washington State. Blow a game to Arizona that was winnable. And then beat Oregon State. Kind of the soft part of the schedule for UCLA to get things going in the, in the Pac-12. And for all of you who long for the days of the Mountain West, or in the case of the Aggies, you're actually in the Mountain West right now. San Diego State and CSU, ESPN 2 at 8 o'clock, if you're wondering what I'm watching. I'm not going over to CBS Sports Network to watch Boise State blow out UNLV. I'm not doing it. Is that where we got the hat on today? And you can't make me. No. That's another reason I'll tell you about later. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Here comes the rush. Russell steps up. Russell scrambles. Looks. Wide open. Chris Carson catches it twice. Touchdown. Seahawks. The toughest play to catch is one where you're wide open. And Chris Carson did it twice. 
15 seconds remaining in a Thursday night thriller. The snap is back. The hold is down. Zerline hits it with the right foot, and his hit is no good. Over the right, upright, wide right. He missed it. Well, it's a good thing that Carson held on and made that juggling touchdown catch because they end up winning by one point. Really good game. Seahawks beat the Rams 30-29. Back and forth. Big plays. Neither team got shut out in any quarter. It was just constant up and down the field and scoring points. It was a good deal. They both came in 3-1, and one, so the Seahawks 4-1 and one now. The Rams fall to 3-2. and two, And that ball just barely missed. That kick looked like it went over the upright. But I thought they got it right. I thought he definitely missed it. But it was still so close. I would advise, when you're in your two-minute drill, not taking a delay a game on the next to last play. It's a big clock. It's zero. You've been practicing all week. What are you doing? Although, and I know that at 44, I actually think anything inside 45 is basically automatic for NFL kickers. Now, this was 44 and they missed it. It should have been 39. And it wasn't. You got to make the big kicks. I don't understand that. That was that was totally makeable, and it, it barely missed. And and because the way he kicked it, I I don't think it would have been good from 39. It still would have been wide. Maybe it would have changed everything. It would have had a different attitude or something. I don't know. Rams taking the L. That's one of the better games of the weekend. There are not very many games this week that match teams with winning records. There's a game that matches teams with zero wins. PK and I were talking about this after the show, and it was mostly my fault. I brought it up. I guess actually I didn't bring it up. It was on TV, and then we talked about it off that. But I do bring this up when I'm talking with people I know like football. Who's the worst team in the NFL? Who could go 0-16? Who will stay winless the longest? I find that fascinating. And yesterday as we were, as we were wrapping up the show, one of the, the whatever show the TV was on was discussing, you know, can the Dolphins go 0-16? You realize they have to play the Jets twice, and the AFC East is playing the NFC East. So they're going to get the Giants, and maybe with the quarterback change, the Giants will be better. We'll have to see. And they also get Washington, who I think is brutal. I was tweeting out something about that last night. I thought I knew two Washington fans, and then I realized I know three, and they're all just despondent. They all blame, blame ownership, and they think there's no hope. There's no way that Washington's getting off the deck, not even for something respectable like 8-8. Eight eight. Whether they're right or wrong, I'm telling you right now, they got no hope. So it's the 0-3-1 Cardinals and the 0-4 Bengals. So I hope you got NFL tickets so you can watch that baby. Somebody's getting a W. There are so few games. The NFL's so good at this. They are so good at They're underappreciated in their time. There are so few games that match teams with winning records. The Thursday night game does. Most of the primetime games, uh, and also the uh, Sunday afternoon game on Fox, the uh, doubleheader game they have, Packers and Cowboys, which will go to the whole country. There's no other late games on Fox. You got those two brand names, you're not wasting that. We're not regionalizing that, baby. Uh, 4-0 Chiefs, 2-2 Colts on Sunday night football. They played a great playoff game a few years ago. Alex Smith was calling the shots. Remember that? They went up and down the field. But I don't see really how the Colts have the firepower to do this. And the 3-0 Niners. What? How has that happened against the 2-2 Browns? And all the other games, it seems like, are just matching teams with losing records. And yes, Channel 2 is showing the 0-4 Broncos and the 2-2 Chargers. And you can all ask me, how could you do that? I'm like... Because the 0-3 Broncos got an immense rating last week. I, and I have to say, I can't even tilt the company line on this. Not even close. The Broncos don't interest me in the least. I watched, I went into the season thinking they were bad. I watched them play the Raiders in the opener. I thought they were bad. I have never come off the thought that this is a bad football team. 
There are some individual pieces that are okay, but it's not all there. And it's not close. And they got a chance to drop to 1-5 against the Chargers, and it's on KUTV in the afternoon. But there's one afternoon game, and it turns out a lot of you go to church on Sunday and don't watch football at 11 a.m. What? Some of you golf. Some of you are hiking like PK, going to the mountaintop. And none of you help the ratings on our early games. So KTV is going to keep picking late games, and that's often going to be the Broncos. I, I am very curious, though, because the Broncos have been so good for so long, and I know a lot of you don't want to hear that because you hate the donkeys, but they're not so good now, nor are they on the verge of getting better, I believe. And so how long will this continue? And this is all done in New York at the network level. There's no one for me to ask in the station. They assign. We beg for another game. If they change their mind, they do. If they don't, we get the Broncos. But, I mean, if they're a disaster, I mean, 0-12, are we going to be getting them? Even if they, and I don't think they'll get to 0-12, but if they're 3-9 and or, or, I mean, we've seen previous years, if they're 5-8, and we're getting them. But I wonder if there's some place where they're so awful that we stop. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. All right, so it's the slow ramp up to the season now. We had media day Monday. All right. Then the first practices, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tonight, meet the team. Free event at the arena. Go in there. Does it start at 6, Yach? Double check me on that. I think it starts at 6. Meet the team? Yeah. 6 o'clock tonight. 6 o'clock tonight. And it lasted last year. I think it went like an hour and five minutes. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Right, but that's great because A, it's free. mm -hmm. Yeah. B, you can walk in and sit in the lower ball. And see if you got little kids, like you can literally, literally yes. bring the four-year-old and still be home, depending on where you live and whatever, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Come and enjoy it. It's a fun event. Exactly. You're in and you're out, and it's free. And they mess around, and everyone's in a good mood because there's no pressure. And they'll put a few people on the mic, and they talk to the crowd, and then they have some, I don't know what they'll do this year, some game, some contest, some basketball-ish thing, and it's fun, and then you're out of there. And then tomorrow night... The first preseason game, the Adelaide 36ers. And I get that they want to play foreign teams from around the world, and it helps grow the game, right? Because if Ralph Salt Lake went and played, I don't know, name your favorite European giant, you know? Man City, Man United, Barcelona, whoever, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, wow, yeah, let's watch this, right? But they've played these games before, and they're routinely like 30 and 40-point games, and Quinn Snyder plays everybody. Starters get there 10 or 15 minutes, whatever they Jarrell decide. Jarrell Brantley, get out there. Whatever he decides is necessary. Justin Wright Foreman, get out there. Yeah, if someone yeah. fell and sprained a wrist and they don't play. Yes. I mean, it's just... I, I really am curious as to why they don't send more teams overseas. No competitive disadvantage. You're three weeks out from the regular season. Everybody goes overseas for five, six, seven days. We've got games going on in Japan, China, India. and India this year. There's a handful of them, but right? you're right. There could be more. And you could, one year, you could send the, the Jazz to France because of Rudy. One year, you could send them to yeah. Australia because of Joe Absolutely. and Dante. Yeah. And, it, and if people don't have high-profile foreign guys, hey, somebody's got to be the Washington Generals and just go play, right? And then you bring them all back, and they still got a week or ten days or whatever to get used to the time zones. I mean, do we need exhibition games here? Nobody takes him all that seriously, except for Carl Malone. I mean, he'll get hurt in New Mexico in a preseason game and say it's Albuquerque. They don't get NBA ball. People played play to see me. And so he goes out there with some, you know, sucking chest wound or something and scores 40. I'm the mailman. I'll suck it up. Blood gushing out of a chest wound. But other than him, 
I had completely forgotten about that. He did. But you're and right. It was great. I mean, the yeah. loyalty to the fans is awesome. But for everybody else, I mean, we got we got multiple NBA champions just sitting out a quarter of the NBA season. Pop did it, right? And then, you know, you get a Spurs star going to Toronto, and he does it, and he wins the title, so no one's complaining about Kawhi Leonard. So why not send them all over the world, make the NBA bigger than it already is? Turns out that foreign money counts just the same, and they're raking it in. So the Adelaide 36ers tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. And David Locke will join us uh, at 8 o'clock here, and we'll talk about the Jazz. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Goldschmidt hits it a mile. Left field, and it's a goner in the top deck down the left field line. Goldschmidt with his fifth career postseason home run. The Cardinals trail by a run in the eighth. One and two to Jock Peterson. There's a fly ball down the right field line. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is gone. Hit the foul pole way upstairs. Home run for Peterson. Dodgers with two in the bottom of the eighth. It is now six to nothing. If I were a Dodger fan, I would really like the way the first day of the playoffs worked out. And I know, I know, we're like two weeks away from them qualifying for the World Series, right? They got to win three in this series, got to win four in the next one. But the Dodgers look great. Walker Bueller, money. Six shutout innings. Dominant. Awesome. Fantastic. Please, just just keep doing that. And the Dodger bullpen, hey, they had a comfortable lead. There wasn't all that pressure on them. They came in and did their three shutout innings. Nationals get two hits. Dodgers pound them 6 nothing. And not only did the Dodgers look much better than the Nationals, I thought the Dodgers looked much better than the Cardinals or the Braves. The Cardinals, you know, supposed to be pitching in defense, right? That's how you win in the playoffs. We've been hearing it for decades. So what do they do? Early error, fall behind 1-0. When they tie it up 1-1, we can't have this. Let's make another error and fall behind 3-1. Now they tie it up 3-3, and they break it open, and they're up 7-3, right? And they're riding, you know, Goldschmidt's got his homer and all this, right? It's 7-3. Now it's, yeah, now it's time to bite the nails, take off the end of the finger, and get right down to the knuckle. It was knuckle-biting time. Atlanta got three, and it's 7-6. You're like, oh, and they got it done, and they won. So the Cardinals win the game, but the whole pitching and defense thing went out the window. And I guess all you can say if you're a Cardinals fan, it's like what we were saying about um, you know BYU last week. Even though they didn't play great, just win the game, right? Because you got to win some games ugly. So the Cardinals won one ugly. That's what they have to tell themselves now. The Dodgers won one. They won one pretty. No one ever says that. Oh, they won pretty. They won pretty. Four games today. The American League starts with Tampa Bay and Houston and Minnesota at the Yankees and two more games in the National League as well. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. All right, RSL wraps up the season Sunday, 2 o'clock. They're at Vancouver. They're in the playoffs. They can do no worse than fifth. If they lose, if they tie, they finish fifth. If they win, well, they still might finish fifth. If the Galaxy win... And if Minnesota and Seattle tie, RSL would be fifth. But if Galaxy were to lose a draw, RSL would pass them. They would also tie, pull alongside on 53 points, the loser of the Minnesota-Seattle game. They do not want to draw. Then they finish behind both those teams. So RSL could be the three or four seed. And right now we're trying to figure out who they could play. And they could play Vancouver, Seattle, or L.A. Any one of them at home. They could also play any one of them on the road. And if things break their way and they climb to third, then that opens up a whole nother series of possibilities about whether they play Dallas, San Jose, or Portland at home. So there's too many to worry about. But they have to go win. All of this is based on them winning. A win or they will not be playing for a 1-1 draw. 
If that thing's tied, they got to go get a goal. Because if they win or they draw their fifth. 2 o'clock on KMYU. And all the other games happen at the same time, so all the scores will be updated as you watch that game. DJ and PK. The headlines. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, Kyle Gunther, the red and the blue. Kyle Gunther at 7.30. Brian Keel coming up at 9.30. Or is that 8.30 and it's a typo? Typo, it's 8.30. That makes sense because it was out of order and you're not like that. So Kyle Gunther at 7.30. Brian Keel at 8.30. The red and the blue. And David Locke in between them. DJ and PK. It's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. New York Jets quarterback Sam Darnold said he feels ready to return to action after being diagnosed with mono, but told reporters it's a tough thing because you want to stay safe. I want to make sure that I'm safe out there and I'm not going to die. I got to admit, I scoffed when I heard that, but that's because I wasn't pre-med at Arizona State on Friday nights. It turns out, mono, you get in a large spleen. And if you take a big hit, you know, like in an NFL pocket, your spleen could rupture, and that would be what we refer to as a bad thing. Again, I refer to it as that because I wasn't pre-med at Arizona State on Friday night. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs told reporters he has not requested a trade, as as has been reported. And then he added, there is truth to all rumors. Our wide receiver is not the biggest divas. Give us a straight answer already. Mets announced they fired manager Mickey Calloway after two years on the job. Mets were 86-76 and 76 this year, 10 games over 500. They've been in the postseason late in the season, but Mickey Calloway is out. Top of the Wire brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttle, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats a friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Brian Jones, CBS Sports. Toledo's, you know, a good football team, but BYU should not be losing to these types of teams and beating SC, Tennessee, and the like. Do you agree or do you disagree and why? No, I, I agree 100%. BYU's much better than that. I believe BYU allowed one game to beat them twice. I believe that they were still smarting from that loss to Washington, and so they weren't ready for Toledo, and they should have been. You would think they would be able to put that aside, that loss a week ago, and get back out there and, and focus on a team that's making its chops to knock off one of the big boys because that's what BYU is. They come well-respected, so Toledo saw this as an opportunity to make a name for themselves, and that's exactly what they did. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK. PK's got the day off. And Kyle Gunther. Who never takes a day off. Kyle Gunther joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset, get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Are you already up attacking life, Kyle? Well, I am because I'm feeling fat, dumb, happy, and entitled this morning. So, uh, yeah, it's a school day. DJ, got to get it done. Got to make those lunches, man. (laughs) There you go. So what would you think if your coach had said that? Because it wasn't your coach. It was Washington State's coach who dropped the fat, dumb, and entitled. Uh, What would you think if you were a player on that team? I don't think that I'd ever forgive him for that. Now, Mike Leach is a unique coach. He's one in a million, and I I would assume that that is just par for the course. 
And as, as a player, all you want is consistency from your coach. So if he flies off the handle one day, you're going to remember that. If he's a guy that preaches, you know, maybe he's preaching being, uh, you know, holier than thou and doing things the right way, and then all of a sudden he gets busted acting a fool or you see a different side of him, that's what you don't respect as a player. Uh, Whittingham would never say that. You know, I'm not even sure Urban Meyer would say that. It's uh, Mike Leach has done this before. Remember, it, it was probably four or five years ago, Washington State's O-line gave up a bunch of sacks at Rice-Eccles, and Mike Leach called his team soft back then, too. Calling a football player soft or calling a team weak overall mentally, it's basically the biggest insult you can give and on top of that, you're the head coach. You control the off-season program. You control the mood. So if the team is feeling soft, in your opinion, that's on you. The players don't get paid, at least not until a couple of years from now in the state of California. So as a player, I would feel disrespected. I would feel betrayed. But Washington State didn't play very well. It was a cold game, and, and Mike Leach's assessment may be true. That does happen with teams that have been down for many years in Washington State. They've had a bit of an uprun recently, but all of a sudden you get mentioned in a couple of articles. There's People are talking about you on the radio. You see your highlights on TV, and you think your armpits don't stink anymore. And you go in there and you get whooped by a really tough team in Utah. I would say in his defense that Washington State in their first two conference games was outscored 50-14 to in one game and was outscored 24 to nothing in what should have been the bounce-back game to end that contest. So Mike may figure, what have I got to lose? These guys have had it handed to him. Film doesn't lie. He's going to see a bunch of stuff on film. So I guess to kind of swing it around to the perspective here, uh, is Mike right about his team so this win doesn't mean that much to the Utes? Or did the final 24 points of the game go into the Utes say something about the Utes fan, and Utah fans ought to be excited about it. Well, Washington State's not going to win the North, but here's what it says, that the Utes can cover this air raid attack, that they can adjust and adapt. USC and Washington State have very similar game plans offensively, but I thought Utah's defensive backs played a much better brand of football, uh, albeit maybe not against top-flight wide receivers like they have at USC, but Utah really cleaned some issues up that they showed against USC offensively and defensively. But specifically defensively, Utah showed they can get pressure and they can still cover on the back end. So I think that was a feather in the cap for Utah's defense. But that was a cold, rainy, late game, and it's difficult for both teams to show up and play in that environment. But Utah's defensive backs, I thought, stepped up and made a couple of great plays. Jalen Johnson should have had a pick. Uh, you know, Francis Bernard flies around like a blind dog at a meat house, and I love when he, you know, is making tackles in the open field. He's a hard hitter. I think Devin Lloyd has really taken that next step as a linebacker. First couple of games, he struggled. He gave up the first touchdown, but he was in great coverage. It was, you know, the running back coming out of the backfield, just trying to run over the middle. Devin Lloyd was right there. He really should have given up a four-yard pass. Obviously, in the red zone, that led to a touchdown. But I thought Devin Lloyd was great in coverage, and he's very new to this process. So I thought if you're a Utah fan, you know maybe don't hang your hat on Washington State's you know overall quality. But I felt like Utah answered a lot of the questions that arose after the USC loss. Kyle Gunther joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, the former Ute. And... 
You got a bye week right now. As a player, did you like them or did you hate them? Did you miss the games or did you need a week to get healthy? No, I, I needed to get healthy. And uh, you know what I, I missed during the season is being able to watch college football. So I always remembered that every bye week, just sitting around on a Saturday and getting lost watching uh, LSU game or, or you know some other – we used to watch Mountain West teams back then when you could find them. Uh, nowadays, I'm sure guys are checking out other Pac-12 games and other matchups coming up. But uh, the bye week, I really feel bad for the fans. DJ, I had not been to a tailgate. I've maybe been to one, like right after I got done playing 10 years ago. They took us up to the tailgate this week against Washington State because they were inducting the 04 Fiesta Bowl team into the Hall of Fame. And the Crimson Club did such a great job. They treated us well. We, we got you know a bunch of incredible opportunities. But that tailgate is nuts. We couldn't walk five feet without people offering us food and beer, and it was a full-blown party, and it was raining. And everybody told us that was a a poorly attended tailgate because it was raining. And I had a little bit of trepidation because I had not sat in the stands and watched a game in the rain. But I got me one of those ponchos, and it was beautiful. You don't notice the rain. It's not that bad. You fans were tough. They showed up. That is an amazing experience seeing friends and family, hanging out for hours at the tailgate. We got there three or four hours early, and we were the last ones there. So I feel bad mostly for the Utah fans because how do you uh, adjust? You have this insane party almost every week at Rice-Eccles, and then now there's no game. You can't go party with your friends. I feel bad for the fans. (laughs) So if you were the Utes, would you play Moss against – Oregon State, or would you figure, give him an extra week off, also make sure he doesn't get dinged up anymore with an unfortunate hit or landing wrong or having someone land on him like we saw earlier this year, and just figure we're going to beat Oregon State without him. We need this guy for the bigger games later on. Oregon State's biggest strength by far is their ability to run the ball. They've done a good job of that this year. Uh, I checked this morning, and Utah's number three in the country in rush yards allowed. I'm not sure what their overall uh, rush defensive rating is, uh, but rush yards allowed. The Utes are third in the country. No one is running the ball on the Utes. Oregon State will not run the ball on the Utes. And I really like Devontae Henry-Cole at running back. Devin Brumfield as well I think has shown a lot of power. So if I'm making that decision, if I'm Andy Ludwig or Kyle Whittingham, I'm sitting Zach Moss out for another week. The Utes will not lose to Oregon State. Now, Arizona State... Cal, they're some of the weirder teams to figure out in the Pac-12. The Utes have four really weird games coming up, and, and it's always tough when you got to go to Corvallis. But to answer your question, I would sit Zach Moss another week. Now, here's what the Utes do need to do. They need to put Bam Olaseni in a tackle. The Juco player, he finally got eligible. He had an offer to Notre Dame, Ohio State, Auburn, the Utes need him at right tackle. They've been struggling at right tackle. They have a bye week now. They need to make that change, put him in against Oregon State, and see if that can help out along the offensive line. But Arizona State and Cal have really high-caliber athletes at really unique positions, and I like Arizona State's offensive line as well. So I do think the matchups coming up are more important. And so Utah just needs to run the ball and play keep away from Oregon State. Uh, Jake Lutton, the, the big, he's like 6'7", their quarterback. I don't see him picking apart Utah's secondary. So I don't think there's a huge impetus to get Zach Moss out there. Now, the Utes never discuss injuries. 
But I've had shoulder injuries before. You either sprain your AC joint, which I've done, and it's very painful, or you break your collarbone. Or, I mean, I guess you tear your rotator cuff. He didn't do that. If he didn't break his collarbone, then it's an AC joint. So that means he's going to be really sore. It's really painful. If you're a quarterback, you can't really throw. You lose strength in your arm. But Zach Moss gets the snot knocked out of him each and every week. So he's going to come back and he's going to play because he's trying to make money in the NFL. And so he'll do that eventually. But no, you do not need Zach Moss against Oregon State. I, you know, Have you guys talked to Devontae Henry Cole? He is all business. He's yes, sir, no, sir. He loves football. He runs straight ahead. He runs with violence. Uh, if I'm a coach, I'm okay with Devontae Henry Cole. So you talk about Bam Olasini. I kind of figured he was going to sit because Kyle talked about they've got four games for him this year. And, and Kyle didn't hedge on this at all. I mean, he was very open about it right into a microphone for everybody to hear. They've got four games. They've got to figure out how best to deploy him. So I immediately thought Washington because it's the game of the year. ASU and Cal. Right. ASU and Cal because they may not be complete teams, but they got complete defenses. I like those defenses. Now, offensively, they got some problems. They got issues. So that's three games. Now there's one more. Colorado, save them for a potential Pac 12 title game. I figured there was no way Bam was playing against Oregon State. Well, you may be right. And I know Kyle Whittingham has been obsessed with trying to keep guys red shirts. I think it's ludicrous. I think that's what costs the youth. Jack Tuttle in the long run, trying to be this diplomatic team. Okay, we're going to save your red shirt. We're going to see we're only going to play you in the final four games. Guys get pissed. Guys transfer. And Bam's not going to transfer. It's been such a, a chaotic scene just to get him here. Maybe you're right, DJ. Maybe the Utes try and save him. Uh, I'm worried they don't beat Arizona State or Cal with their current offensive line situation. It's not been good enough at tackle. Uh, and, and maybe I'm making too much out of Bam. You know, maybe he's not this superhero who can come in, but they need better production at right tackle. I would put him in because I hate this idea of saving somebody for what? You're going to lose eight draft picks this offseason. Utah is not going to win the Pac-12 in 2020. They're going to win the Pac-12 this year if they commit and sell out. They need Tyler Huntley upright. He's getting hit too often and trying to spin out of plays. Man, that throw he made on fourth down against Washington State, he, he dumped it off to uh, a running back. and it, it is the least percentage play you can make. It's dangerous. Huntley's getting swung around. He's trying to create too much at times. They need better protection, and that's why I think they need to make the change at tackle. But you're right. Kyle Whittingham is always thinking about the future, and yes, that is the safe move. But why are you trying to redshirt guys? How much longer are you trying to coach? No, you need to sell out now to win, and I think they should put him in this week, uh, or I should say after the bye week. They should put him in against Oregon State, give him a tune-up game, and let him play. What, are you going to save him for next year? Go recruit another tackle. Or, you know, maybe Mawala will be good to go next year. He'll have a little more experience. But, uh, you know, I also remember when Kyle Whittingham said that Garrett Bowles was battling it out for a starting job when they recruited a guy who had an offer to Alabama. The first time we saw Garrett Bowles up front, he had a 22-inch neck. He has no body fat. And you realize, oh, Kyle Whittingham, is, uh, he's playing some games here. He's trying <laughs> to keep guys motivated. So if Whittingham does hold Bam out, I would say I disagree with that. There are other Pac-12 games, only four of them, and uh, USC has a bye, and Arizona State has a bye, so it's not the juiciest weekend in the Pac-12 South, but Arizona and Colorado are both 3-1. and one. 
They're both 1-0 in the Pac-12, so the records are the same as Utah and Washington State. Now, we don't have expectations for these teams, but, you know, a few years ago, Colorado had finished sixth the prior year, and they were picked to finish sixth, and yet they won the division. Cinderella season. It all came together. Do you think it could come together for either Arizona or Colorado? Do you care who gets to 2-0 in this game? Well, I, I think Arizona State and USC are the class of the South right now. I watched Arizona and UCLA last week in, in a really weird game. Uh, UCLA couldn't pass the ball. Arizona was running a lot of zone coverage. And then on the other end, UCLA's trying to play man coverage, and they're getting burned left and right. They refuse to adjust. I don't think either team is coached very well. I don't think either team is tough, Arizona or UCLA. Now, Colorado's got a tough coach, man. Colorado's got the, the makings, if you will, under Mel Tucker of, of being a team that can find LaVishka Chenault, although he's been banged up at times. Mel Tucker's the right guy for Colorado. I'm not sure Sumlin is the right guy at Arizona. I know Chip Kelly is the wrong guy at UCLA. They're a terrible football team at times. Uh, I, I think you've got wild inconsistency with UCLA and Arizona. What UCLA did against Washington State is inexplicable. They got some special team scores. Dorian Thompson-Robinson beat up on a secondary that, well, you saw Tyler Huntley last week have. I think that was the best game of Tyler Huntley's Utah career against Washington State. And Washington State was guessing wrong. Uh, the 50-some-odd-yard touchdown pass to Samson Nakua, I want to say that was the second score. Samson Nakua ran a post route. And Washington State safety decided to to adjust and, and work on, I want to say it was like Damari Simpkins or uh, maybe it was Solomon Enos, but they were just running an out route. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about when Utah ran that streak route against Idaho State, I believe it was to Brian Thompson. They showed the rest of football that we have this go route, we will press the seams, we will run vertically. And then the Utes weren't able to do it enough against USC, and Washington State apparently didn't believe them because Washington State is still adjusting to the out routes and the underneath routes, and Samson Nakua ran right past them. Tyler Huntley found gaps in the zone and hit Brian Thompson a couple of times. So I think Washington State is just they're struggling in the secondary there. So I don't want to make too much of what UCLA did there. I don't think UCLA and Arizona are contenders. I think Arizona State and Cal are the biggest enigmas in the Pac-12 overall, but the Utes are still the best team in the South. No, I don't see any team challenging them. LaVishka Chenault's going to be a top-10 draft pick. He's going to be a first-round pick for sure, but Colorado's going to go as he goes, and he's been banged up already this year. As always, we appreciate it, Kyle. Thanks for joining us on a bye week, and we will talk to you again on Friday before the Oregon State game. All right, say hi to PK. DJ, have a good morning. See you. Kyle Gunther. Former Utah offensive lineman joining us on the red and the blue. And the blue, Brian Keel, is coming up at 8.30. David Locke is 15 minutes away. Jazz radio broadcaster, stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Ken Garf. 
Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. The savings are on at Ken Garf West Valley Jeep. Stop by during Jeep Adventure Days and take advantage of our special offers on select new models. Whatever you're looking for, we'll have it at West Valley Jeep. Got up on our Facebook page. Looking for predictions. Call your shot now. It's a weird weekend without a BYU and or football game, without a Utah football game. It's kind of a quiet week in the Pac-12 even. It's not like there's a mega game out there. Washington and Stanford was supposed to be that, but Stanford's 2-3 and three and not playing along. Cal and Oregon could have been that, but Cal's quarterback got hurt last week, so Chase Garbers is out. Still, you got plenty. you got the Aggies going to LSU. you got the Jazz getting things going in the preseason. Mountain West, Pac-12, NFL, Ralph Salt Lake's regular season finale, and plenty of Major League Baseball playoff games. So, call your shot. Daniel says RSL is going to win, and in the baseball playoffs, the Dodgers, no upset alert, everyone favored will move on. Got a bunch of 100-win teams out here who should be delivering. I'm looking at you, Astros. Best record in baseball. Dodgers and Yankees, easily, easily over 100 wins. Those are the big dogs that everybody is counting on. Minnesota won 101 games. They're playing the Yankees. How's that for a first-round matchup? Yeah, you won 101. You won 103. You two guys fight it out. Minnesota's got a horrible history. Horrible history against the Yankees. They have been eliminated, tortured, and eliminated again. Yeah, and eliminated again. I've got a buddy who's a big Twins fan who was eliminated oh, on social media the other just day. Just throwing yourself up against the brick wall that is the Yankees. They got to get them at some point, and they usually get swept. Once in a while, they take a game off them. But all right, there's plenty there. Uh, some other predictions coming in. David Aggies twenty four twenty three upset of the century. Here's what the Aggies don't do. They don't win their Power 5 games. They usually lose in agonizing, spectacular fashion, which, against a team averaging 57 points a game, would be a sight to see. Because there are just about zero people east of the Mississippi expecting this to even be remotely close. And I do think you need to look at the point that they've given up, LSU's given up points. The LSU teams of the past did not give up 38 points. And they've done that twice. Once to Texas. Now, Vandy, it was 66-38, so, you know, you play some second stringers, and even when the stars are in, it's kind of like, nah, we got this. As Landon points out, that would be the biggest USU football win of all time if it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah, you can list all the wins over ranked teams on one hand. So taking down number five undefeated on the road, absolutely. Dan just sent me an L.A. logo and a blue-clad arm waving a rally towel. All right, go Dodgers. We've got a lot of Dodger fans up here. Got a lot of Southern Californians. A lot of Laker fans. Don't have a lot of Charger and Clipper fans up here. People up here who move up here, we don't have a lot of UCLA fans. I see a lot of, like, USC, those license plate holders. I see USC stuff all over the time. We don't have a lot of Trojans up here. We don't have Bruins. Is that because... Those teams are all way more popular in L.A., so anybody moves up here, the odds are that they root for the Lakers or the Dodgers or the Trojans just because those That's have more fans. Probably. Or the yeah. ones who move up here <clears throat> aren't particularly proud and don't want to brag about it. Well, I, that, 
both factors are in play, but I think your your first point is more apt to be true. I guess you can go to L.A. and make money, but you can't be loved. I don't know if you saw the story of um, the Clippers owner who wants to build a new arena because they're the third tenant by lease. I mean, that's that's the deal that got signed when they moved into the Staples Center. The Lakers and the Kings, they get the best dates. They get the best times. So he ends up, he talks about how they always have Monday night home games against Monday night football and it just kills him. And so he's going to build a new arena uh, by the Rams' new stadium, the stadium the Rams are building, the Rams and Chargers are both playing it, Hollywood Park, which is a just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Forum. So the guy who owns the Forum is suing. Hi, Hi James Jeff. Dolan. And the guy who owns the Forum is the guy who owns the Knicks, so it's an NBA partner, and the commission is you know, trying to come in the neutral corners and work something out. But if you're running the Forum, you don't want another arena for concerts to go to right across the street that's brand new and shiny, and yours was built you know, 50 years ago. So they got this little squabble going, and Ballmer starts getting into Kawhi Leonard showed up at a uh, at a Rams game and he got booed. Can you imagine that? Like, did you live in Portland your whole life? Yeah, I can imagine it. He didn't play for the Lakers. They're LA's team. You're a team that moved three times in a decade from Buffalo to San Diego to LA. You're not LA's team. They don't care. You can't just show up for a cash grab and think people are really going to love you. The cash grab will work. You make the money. But you don't get to be loved. And people from Portland are probably like, what are you picking on us for, DJ? We know how it works down there. You're not the Lakers. Don't blame us. All right, sorry, Portland. Where are you from? Phoenix? No, they know too. Literally everybody knows Bomber. What are you doing? The Clippers aren't going to be loved. Win 10 championships. Then see if you're loved. Until then, not so much. All right, when we come back, David Locke joins us. Utah Jazz Radio broadcaster. Meet the team tonight, Adelaide 36ers tomorrow. It's on. Here we go. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.